Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Amen, amen. I just encourage you to find a spot where some air is hitting you. If you're at a spot where you're not getting any air, move. There's space right here in front of this big wind tunnel. This will take your wig off. It's a nice place to sit right where that's hitting you. That will knock any extensions out of your hair also, so be careful. Amen. Amen. I was, yeah, come on, let's press in, let's press in, amen, amen, come on. I was telling my wife and, and even speaking to the worship team earlier, I said, you know, I can't even, I can't even blame people for not coming during this, this, this heat because it's, it's so hot, you know, it's so, it's, it's insufferable, it's, a, it's, a, it's hard to, you know, to be, a, to, to sit. I can't sit still anyway, but it's hard, I can imagine, for you guys to sit still in, in a place that's so hot. And so, you know, a, a lot of times churches close during the summer because people just stop coming and, and um, the ministry gets discouraged. Because you can imagine if a worship team is, is ready to, to lead worship and, and a ministry team is ready to minister and, and nobody comes. It's, it's discouraging. But I, I want you to know that I'm excited that you're here. Amen? Anybody excited to be here? I mean, I mean can, we, can, we, can we endure for a month or two until things get a little better? Yes, we're, we're going to strive to have um, central AC. I want to. I would have had it already, but we had to build this whole place. Right? Today is our anniversary. Three years. Amen? And it's, it's so exciting to even see how far we've come in three years. In three years, our first service, July 17th, three years ago, was in my house. Some of you were there. How many were there? Amen. So we haven't scared you away yet. Either your family or, I don't know. But I'm excited that we have, this has been our fourth move in three years. And we, we haven't moved because um, we couldn't pay the rent. We've moved every time doubling the rent. Amen? Because God has been that faithful to us and God has supplied every step of the way. And so this was the biggest step of faith that we could have imagined. Uh, we brought the team here three years, you know, um, back in uh, August, I think, of last year, last summer. And, and there were trucks parked in here. And, and I'm going to put together a slideshow to show you because I really want you to see it. But I don't want to waste time with that today. But picture, there was no walls here. No classrooms, no lights. Just trucks and junk filling this place. And, and I remember bringing the team here and I was so excited. And I said, look, look, this is going to be the new church. And everybody was quiet. 
And people, even the people that normally on the, on the team are real talkers. And I said, look, look, there's a whole room back there that's children's church. But that was racks and racks of paint and roof tar. And there was a huge roll-down gate on it. So it looked, I mean, it was bad. But I said, that's children's church. And everybody went... And, and then I said, over here we'll have classrooms and we'll divide. But over here was just tires and machine parts and, and tractors and, and uh, uh, floor, you know, scraper things for the, to put in front of trucks. It was just a mess. It stunk. It was ugly. It was so industrial. But I said, this is going to be church. Amen? And thank God for all of you that helped for those of you that pitched in, for, listen, a lot of, you can tell by the beautiful spackling jobs that are done here, that none of us were professionals. This was all done, I think this was Ephraim's wall, right? I'm just playing with you. This was professionals. People that have never spackled in their life learn how to spackle on these walls. And, and I love them for that. Don't they have character? Amen? Yeah, we could have paid somebody to come in and do it, but Why? Right, it's the, we're building this thing, amen? And so we did, and so, anyway, let's put that aside. Happy anniversary to us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. But I didn't want to waste, I, I took those three minutes. I didn't want to waste any more time. I, I, I believe God has a message for us, and this is the message today. Wow, there's still ants. I, I even brought bugs in. This is the message today. This is the message. And I want you to get good pictures of it. This is the message today. See, last week, we, I shared a message about how as a church, we need to stop judging people. And as a church, we need to just embrace people in the world and embrace anybody that comes through the doors. And, and we just need to believe and trust that the God who called them here is faithful and able to correct and to clean and to, and to take care of business. Amen? So we, uh, last week's message was just, we need to shut up and shine. Amen? And so if, if we're not going to go around pointing at other people's sins and, and we're accepting people and we're loving people as they are, so they're not going to be pointing out our sins and they're going to be loving us just how we are, then I started thinking and God put this message on my heart, then how are we going to know when we're really doing good or how are we going to know when we're really messing up, right? And, and I started thinking, man, does, does it matter? Does it really matter? What's the big deal about sin anyway? This is where the religious folk get nervous. What's the big deal about sin anyway? And so I'd like to deal with that a little today in a message titled, What's Holding You? Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for illustration. We thank you, Lord God, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would speak to our bondages, that you would release them today in Jesus' name. And we believe that you're able and are going to do it today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Listen to this quote. I like to start with a quote. None are so hopelessly enslaved as those who falsely believe they are free. 
I thought I'd get at least a wow or mmm. None are so hopelessly enslaved as those who falsely believe they are free. And you see, if there is one word that we throw around a lot here, it's freedom. I told you we're going to put it right up on the center wall there. There, there, That's a word you're going to hear all the time here. And I know that's a word that ruffles people's feathers. I know that that's a word that makes some people feel comfortable and makes some people feel uncomfortable. It makes some people feel um, righteous and accepted and it makes some other people feel um, compromised and not not righteous or unclean. But it's a word that we're gonna that we're gonna continue to throw around here. But the problem is, none are so hopelessly enslaved as those who falsely believe that they're free. Freedom, the definition is the quality or state of being free. It means the absence, listen to this, this is incredible for a church. The absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action. The absence of coercion, manipulation, restraint. Anybody ever felt that in church? Freedom is the absence of that. It is the liberation from slavery or restraint or from the power of another. That is true freedom. Jesus spoke about freedom a lot. More than you would think. And in, if, you, if you open up your words to John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking about freedom. And he's speaking to religious Jewish people. These are, 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 are religious Jews that are believing, but they already have this background that they think they know it all, and they have it already worked out and figured out. And so Jesus is speaking to these Jews, it says in chapter 8, verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And listen to the response of these religious Jews. They, say, they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you come and tell us that we're going to be free? Anybody sense a little sarcasm there? Are you with me? Yeah? Let me see if you're with me. Let's start a wave right here and go all the way down. Real quick, real quick. Wave, 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 wave. And coming back, coming back, coming back. Coming back. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. I just want to make sure everybody's awake. So these guys say, what do you mean? We, 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 we don't have to be, what are you, why are you telling us we're going to be free? We're descendants of, of Abraham. And meanwhile, if you read the Bible, they were, they were in slavery in Egypt. They were in slavery under tons of different people. And even now at this time, they're in slavery under the Roman Empire. And they're telling Jesus, what do you mean we're going to be free? We're descendants of Abraham. That's an attitude, isn't it? How many of you have heard that attitude when you tell people about church? Right? You tell people, man, you need to come to church, man, so you can be free. And people say, church to be free? That makes no sense. I am free because I don't go to church. Right? I'm free because I can do anything I want because I don't go to church. I'm free to, to smoke, drink, curse. I can slap you. I can sleep with you and your sister. I'm free. I can do anything I want. Right? Isn't that the attitude that people have? I'm free. I don't need freedom. I don't need Jesus to be free. 
And look how Jesus answered these, these uh, sarcastic religious Jews. Jesus answered them and He said, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. He's talking to religious guys that think they have it all together. He's talking to people that think they got religion all figured out, who think they don't sin. And Jesus tells them, Most assuredly I say unto you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you are free indeed. Amen? See, true freedom can only come by truth. Is, is, is what he's telling them there. He's trying to say, and here's the truth. The truth is that we're all sinners. So he's telling them, you are sinner. So the truth is we are all sinners. The word says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Anybody here that's not a sinner, stand up. You better sit down for somebody's... Just by standing, you'd make yourself a sinner because you're lying. Right? So we are all sinners. The Word says we're all sinners. So the truth is that we're all sinners. The truth is that the wages of sin is death. Right? And, and listen to this. Listen to this. Because I'm tired of people making that like some religious thing. The wages of sin is death. That's what they tell you. No. Forget the Bible. Let's talk practical. Are the wages of sin death? Does, right? Do you, do you know people in sinful lifestyles and how do they end up? Right? It, it brings death, doesn't it? How many, I just saw the Batman movie. How many of you saw it already? Man, they said that Heath Ledger, that was the best scene he'd ever, and he was incredible in the movie. He was an, incre an incredible actor. But the wages of sin is death. I'm not talking Bible, I'm talking practical life. If you live a, a lifestyle of, of, of drugs and a lifestyle that leads, that deals in depression, and the, the wages are death. You know what I'm saying? That's not biblical, that's practical, that's real. The wages of sin are death, so that's the truth. Another truth is, he's telling them, if we abide in his word and become his disciples, our debt is paid. Somebody get excited. Our debt is paid. See, some of you would be more excited if I told you your JCPenney card is paid. Or your, your Citibank card is paid. Or your visa is paid. Because then you'd be like, wow, $10,000 is paid. Hallelujah. You'd run around giving glory, right? But I'm telling you, your sin debt is paid. And everybody's like, your sin debt is paid. Do, do you understand? You, the, the, there's punishment for what you've done because we've all done it. Me too. There's punishment for what we've done, and that punishment has already been taken care of. Say amen. So, so the truth is our debt is paid, and we're free from the bondage of sin's penalty. How many of you know we're not free from sin? Have you ever met anybody been to church long enough that they stopped sinning? Anybody? We're all going to sin, right? As long as we're in this flesh, we're all going to sin. The problem is, we, and, and we should definitely always avoid being ensnared by sin. We need to avoid being entangled in sin. We need to stop living in habitual sin. But we are always still going to sin. Do you understand that? The problem is, it shouldn't be that we're sinning because we want to. 
We shouldn't be sinning because we want to. Listen to this. The average person today sees a sinner as a person who just let his hair down and just be cool about things and just, right? A, a sinner is a person that, man, they're not involved in church. Man, they don't need to deal with church. They got life. You know, they, they might do a little of this, a little of that. They might, you know, skip around on their wife a little bit here and there. But, but a sinner is somebody the world sees as that's somebody that's kind of just having fun. Isn't it? Billy, what was Billy Joel's famous um, song? He said, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. Sinners are much more fun. Give me the other line. No? Good. Who cares? It's old. But he said, only the good die young. He said, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. How many people you know have that on, tattooed on their arms? I've seen it all the time. I'd rather laugh now, cry later. Right? That's a very popular tattoo. Laugh now, cry later. If you have it, I'm sorry. I'm not condemning you. Feel it. We love you. Relax. But see, the, 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 the problem is that we've changed the meaning of sin. So I- instead of sin meaning what it used to mean, we've changed the definition. Let me tell you what sin used to mean. In, in, in the times that we have our Bible, in the times that God created us, in the times that, that, that He wants for us to live. Sin means, there's a couple of words for it. One is chata. It means to miss the mark. So sin is missing the mark. It means avaving. It, it's another word that describes a crooked or a perverse spirit. So sin, it can be crooked and perverse. Anomia means lawlessness. So sin is lawless. Porneria means evil. We get pornography from that word. It's wickedness. So sin is evil and wicked. Do, do you understand that? Acatharsia means uncleanness. It means iniquity. So sin makes us unclean and impure. There are Hebrew, Greek, and Latin words for sin that mean guilty. It means shame. It means lack of fellowship with God. So sin is about not having fellowship with God. I I just want to kind of bring and refresh the definition to you of what sin is. Because the world has changed it on us. The the, The word sin means falling short. The word sin, when you look at it in the true sense, if you really looked at it as what it is, no one would want to sin. Am I right? If, I mean, no one wants to fall short. No one wants to miss the mark. Listen, there's a lot of men in this church that we like to go shooting. Right? A few of us, right? We love to go shooting. We're not killing anything. We're just shooting. We go to ranges and we shoot. Even Pastor Gary, believe it or not, loves to shoot. I can't see it myself, but... I heard he he does. He loves to shoot. I can't... See, every time any one of us go, we go to a range, you load guns, you buy ammunition, you stand two, three hundred feet away from a target, depending on how how nice you are with it, right? Or what you're shooting. And then, I can't see anybody taking the time to steady their breathing, to line up to the sights, to hold their breath at the last second and squeeze the trigger without trying to move the gun to try to miss on purpose. 
Does that make any sense? I, I can't see us going through all of that to, to try. I've never shot with anyone who wants to miss the mark. See, when, when I go shooting, I love to go, once they say it's clear, I love to run back down range and take my target off the wall and I want to bring it home and show it to my wife and kids. They don't care. But, but you know, I'm excited about that. Look, 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 with the sense all blown up. Even if I put a couple of extra holes in there before I get home. But, you know, they don't care anyway. So, but I love looking at the target and say, look, I hit the mark. I did it. That's me shooting me with a gun, with a rifle, with a, a 9 millimeter. With, uh, we have some friends that have a lot of guns and we just go and, and, and have a good time. And I love bringing that target and showing people in my old office as a youth pastor. I used to have, you know, the target that has the bad guy and it has the bullseye around them. I used to hang two of them in my office as a youth pastor. I wanted the young people to get an idea, to recognize. It didn't really work, but still. What I'm trying to say is that we're excited because, listen, when you're hitting the mark, you're doing what you were created to do. When you're hitting the mark, you're... You're doing everything that you were created to do. You're doing, every, everything that you're doing is lining up exactly with what you're supposed to be doing. That's what happens when you're hitting the mark. When, when a person is ensnared in sin, the, it means that the person is and will continually miss the mark. Any person entangled in a lifestyle of sin will continually be in error. They will continually fall short. I can't imagine going through the trouble of doing everything that you do to go to a range to then actually want to miss the mark. But the world has learned us. Is that a good word? The world has learned us that sinners are much more fun. Right? Am I speaking to anybody today? You guys are real dead. Sinners, the world has taught us that sinners are much more fun. It, the world has taught us that shooting and missing is more fun. Picture that in basketball. Shooting and missing is more fun. Well, if we take our attitude toward sin and bring it into the sports arena, sports would be totally revolutionized. Right? People would miss on purpose because it's more fun. Right? On purpose, people would miss because it's more fun. Surprised this mic ain't blowing up. Sorry. Sound guys are going, don't do that. Don't go by the mic, by the speakers. But everything would change if we took our sin mentality into sports, into shooting, into anything else. We'd look foolish. Every time you got up to bat, You'd purposely like go crazy so that you wouldn't hit it and then people would laugh and that would be so much more fun. Silly, isn't it? Foolishness, isn't it? But the world says sinners have much more fun. So it's more fun to miss the mark. It's more fun to fall short. You know why the, the missing the mark is? Because it's easier. It's easier. Tell somebody, easier. 
Any fool can miss the mark. It takes self-control. It takes perseverance. It takes determination. It takes heart. It takes strength to take a stance and to hit the mark in every area of your life. And the devil can't teach what he can't do. The enemy can't teach you what he can't do. So he'll say, no, it's more fun if you miss. Because any idiot can miss. It's more fun if, if you just give in to every whim that you want. It's more fun because it's easier. Because the enemy can't teach what he can't do. So who's holding you? Who's teaching you? Listen, freedom isn't about being free to sin, but being free from sin, from the penalty of sin. I I pray that you get that today. Every single sin that we commit is a check that we wrote that we don't have the funds to cover. How many of you are familiar with checks and not having the funds to cover? How many of you ever got those letters and those calls and those... $35 $35 charges for, for sending a check that you didn't have money. And I wonder, it's like, but I didn't have the money to cover that check. What makes you think I'm going to have $35 to pay for the check that I didn't have money to cover for? Like, this, it's a messed up thing, right? Paul talks about freedom a lot as well. And, and he gets real practical with it. Look what he says when he's talking about the believer's freedom. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, everything, Paul loves this phrase. He uses it a couple of times throughout his books. He says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. King James puts it this way, all things are lawful for me now that I'm in Christ Jesus. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Paul is saying here, Christ has paid the price and you're free from the penalty of sin as long as you walk in Him. But there are things that you may be free to do that are not necessarily helpful for you to do. Say amen if you understand. There's some things that you might be free to do that are just not good for you. You understand? Listen to me. I don't think a cigarette will keep you out of heaven. You may be free to do that, but is it good for you? Everything is permissible, but is everything beneficial? Everything is permissible, but does everything edify? He says it again in 1 Corinthians. So so Paul is saying, so why do them? Why do it? 1 Corinthians 6.12, he says it again. Everything is permissible, allowable, lawful for me, but not all things are helpful, good for me. And then he switches it at the end. Everything is lawful for me, but I will not become a slave of anything or be brought under its power. Do you understand that sin has a way of making you a slave and bringing you under its power? If you've been there, say amen. Right? I, I mean, you, you talk to people that... Uh, you know, and I'm just picking on this. I'm not judging this. This is nothing to me. This is nothing to me, okay? But just understand. People, nah, man, I'm free. I'm free. But you're free to, but yeah, you have to pay, what, $8 a pack now? Yeah, you're free. I laugh at people. Yeah, you're free. You're paying $8 for a pack of those now. You're free, sure. Okay. You, you understand? You see the difference? And how we see things? 
And see, when, when I talk about sin, I don't do it to condemn anyone. I don't do it to shame anyone. I don't do it to judge anyone. I'm just sick of seeing people in bondage. Do you understand that? I'm sick of seeing people in bondage. When I shut up and shine, what happens is people don't see themselves shameful. They don't see themselves condemned. They don't see, they see themselves bound and all of a sudden they want to get free. And that's what I'm going to, I'm praying that's going to happen right now. See, this weekend, my wife and I were selling our house. And we've lived in this house for, I think, over 10 years now. And... It's just time for us to move on. It's a big house and, and it's time for us to downsize. You know, things are costing too much. Things are too expensive. And it's time for us to downsize. And so we've been, you know, doing a lot of work around the house and fixing a lot of things. And this past weekend, I was working on the message and my wife was outside by herself struggling and sweating and cutting stuff down outside. I felt bad. She asked me to help with something. And so I stayed with her and I started working and on the outside. We're trying to make the outside pretty, right? We live in a corner house, so there's tons of corner. You understand? There's trees. It's in Mount Vernon. There's trees everywhere. And so I started helping her kind of, you know, cut these things down. And as I started doing that, I started noticing vines everywhere. There were these little vines. I, I had remembered cutting them because they started shooting out from weird places towards weird places. We have these little chimes hanging in the front of the house. And these vines started shooting out to them and entangling the, the, the chime. So that it couldn't make a sound anymore. And so I remember cutting back the vines. And saying, you know, cutting this thing back and, and pruning it. And, and then I remember two, three weeks later, they're touching the vine, the chimes again. And I said, what's going on? That's, isn't that strange? So this time, I, I got deeper into this thing because I'm really working to clean and I'm finding these vines everywhere. Only the vines are getting bigger and bigger and they're wrapping around things like violently. Does that look violent to you? You understand what I'm saying? This is not no more a, I, I just want to stop you from making a little note. This is, I just want to stop you. Period. Right? And so the, the more I looked, I started seeing these vines everywhere. I started seeing them grow violently and just attack trees. And they were attacking bushes. And they were attacking all kinds of things in, in the yard there. And the only thing that came to mind as I kept discovering more and more vines and seeing the hidden devastation that they've done was how much these vines are a picture of sin. So see, this is the message today. So naturally, I went into the computer, I started Googling things, and I started researching these vines. Because I said, man, this is kind of crazy. It's, it's weird. You know, is God just doing this in my house so I can have an illustration? Or is this a major thing? Is this going on everywhere, you know? And so I, I Googled, how do vines kill trees? Because obviously this tree was dead. Let me show you what I got. These are some things that these vines do. Number one, they use the tree's strength to support itself. See, sin can't use, sin can't support itself. 
It needs someone to support it. Some vines strangle the tree. This is called girdling. See, like I'm, I'm a tree person. I'm a gardener now. I understand all this stuff. Google. It's the best thing in the world. This is called girdling. Some vines wrap themselves around the tree and girdle the tree. What that does is slows down the growth of the tree and pretty much prevents any new branches from growing out of it. See, sin entangles us in a way that slows down our maturity and prevents any new growth. This thick vine that strangles the tree, what it does is it makes the water stay inside these crevices so it doesn't let the water wash through. So what it does is it rots the bark of the tree, making the tree very sick. See, habitual sin does not allow us to be cleansed, making us very sick. When vines get into the canopy of the tree, keep in mind this is dead so it has no green on it, but the vines have tons of flowers and greens on it. So when the vines get into the canopy of the tree, the canopy of the tree is the part of the tree with the... I learned all this, do not feel bad for not knowing. I learned all this on Google. The... The canopy of the tree is the part that sticks out like this and has all the parts. So the vines get into the canopy of the tree with its leaves. And, and what it does is it, it, uh, it covers and shades the leaves, creating shadows and darkness, which stops the tree from eating. How many of you know what photosynthesis is? Right? Amen. Some of you graduated high school. Good. Photosynthesis is, it, it, you know, anything green takes the sun and then is able with the sun to, to uh, extract nutrients from carbon dioxide and water. Well, when the vine is covering the tree and creating shadow, it doesn't get the light, it doesn't get the nutrient that it needs, so it prevents it from eating. See, sin's goal is to keep us in darkness and keep us from nourishment. Some vines compete with branches and leaves for the sunlight. And since the vines grow a lot faster, they grow out onto the branches and they weigh them down, eventually snapping off the branches and separating them from the tree. That's the weirdest thing that I saw on this tree. There were branches coming out of this tree that the vine had wrapped itself around and with power, with growth, separated it from the tree. Does that sound like sin to anyone? See, sin's purpose is to separate us from our source. John uh, 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. In me you can do all things. Apart from me you can bear no fruit. So what happens here is you get pulled apart from the source. Sin separates us from our source. Listen to this fact. Some vines can grow up to a foot a day. A foot a day during the summer. So a good vine can grow 60 feet during the summer. 
some sins can overtake us even before we notice they were growing. Anybody been there can say amen. Listen to this. Some vines mimic other leaves so they're hard to distinguish until they're fully grown. And they've already taken over the tree or the branch. See, the appeal of sin is that it looks like a good thing. Right? It mimics a good thing. So the appeal of sin... Oh, came off? Thank you. The appeal of sin is that it looks like a good thing or a harmless thing. See, the trees see these vines as harmless, and so they don't do anything about it. Some vines, listen to this, develop root systems which compete with the tree's roots for water and nutrients. Some sins will keep you from what you need to be strong and to be healthy. Last one. In the end, the tree is lifeless. It has no new branches growing from it. It doesn't have the nutrients to support the branches that it already has. And the only usefulness is that, that it has is to serve as a support for the vine. In the end, sin will leave you separated, disconnected, and with no other purpose in life but to serve and support that which has already killed you. This sample is a tree that I found among a lot of the other trees. and This tree was totally dead already. So I didn't go cutting down a live tree, don't report me. This tree was already dead. The vines had already sold. These are just the vines that stayed on. There were so many other things. When I cut it, it stayed there. Because the vines had it, were just using it as support. So, so this tree was already lifeless. It already had been, it was so pulled that it even had separated it from its roots. It had already pull the roots out, out of the ground in some areas. Does that seem like violent sin to you? It already had most of its branches broken off, literally snapped off. It had already been almost lifted from, from and separated from the root system. The only reason it was still standing was because the vine had become so ensnared that it was now just a support system for this vine and no longer the tree that it was created to be. See, church, whenever you hear us talking about freedom here, I want you to get this picture in your head of a tree ensnared, entangled by harmless looking vines until it was taken out. See, church, I'm not preaching liberalism. I'm not soft on sin. Not at all. I want to ask you today in closing, what's holding you? Let's bow our heads for a moment. 
Where do you stand among these trees? There are trees in our neighborhood, listen, that are so wide and stand so tall. And the the trunks are so strong and so thick. And their root systems are, are so strong and they go so far that they take up all of the nutrients and water around so that no vine can even think about growing there. Is that you? Are you soaking up everything that God has provided for you? Or have you been too busy to notice that some of the leaves on your, on your tree are not from your branches? They've been growing up all around you and they've been dipping into your source and they've been quickly taking root in your foundation and they're creeping out over your trees and they're preventing you from getting all of the sun, S-O-N, that you need to have life and to grow. Have you allowed your freedom to ensnare you, to entangle you, to bind you, to separate you from the source? Just reflect to yourself for a moment. Ephesians 6.10 says, God is strong and He wants you to be strong. I'm going to ask you to get this picture in your head of this tree and of these vines that have ensnared it, that have entangled it, that have choked it, that have locked it in position and used it as a support. And I want you to see that in your mind, see that in your heart as you, as you're sitting in the chair in church. And, and you could be like, well, big deal, I come to church all the time at least, I'm in church. But you're not even realizing, you haven't even noticed that even in church you've been entangled and ensnared by sin. Some of you have been called to worship and you don't do the first thing about it. Some of you have been called to dance and be free and you won't dare get out of your seats because you have been ensnared by the enemy because the the enemy has told you that fun is what you do outside of church you don't have fun in church fun is missing the mark not hitting the mark I'm telling you today that fun Jesus said I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest we should be having more fun than anybody because the kind of fun that we have has no regrets We should be having more fun than anybody you know outside of church. Because listen, where else can you come to a place where you have maybe nothing in common with people around you and yet they'll still pray for you. They'll still believe for you. They're still... Listen, we have one of our our members in uh, Ethiopia right now because she came to you None of you even hardly knew her. She came to you and she said, I need $5,000 to go on a missions trip. And in, I think, four bake sales, she raised over $5,000. You guys sent her to Ethiopia. I know the muffins weren't that good. (laughs) I know I tasted a couple. Sorry. But you did it because she's one of us. See, and that's, that's the beauty, that's the fun of being in, surrounded by... Listen, there's this set of trees, the tallest growing trees. But the problem with these trees is that they have very short 
root systems. And so what these trees do, this is nature showing us God. What these trees do is grow together in forest, in bundles, so that when their roots go out, they interlock with the other guy's roots. And so these trees can stand and be the tallest trees because they're locked with everybody else next to their roots. Come on, that's good. What's holding you? I'm not going to list a bunch of vines in your life. I'm not going to say if it's this, if you have this, get up. If you have this, get up. Listen, if anything is holding you today, I pray that right now I can shut up and just shine. And you'll see the bondage that you're in and you'll decide to do something about it. Let's do that right now as the worship team plays. Think about what's ensnaring you. Think about what you're caught in. Think about those things that you think you're still free, but you're not free. Think about those things that have you bound and then break them today. I believe there's anointing to break the yoke here today. Let's get this out the way. There's an anointing to break the yoke today. And the anointing happens. The anointing is released when you... See, you can't get oil from an olive unless you crush it. The anointing is released when you stand up, when you strain against this thing, when you snap it, when you say, I'm not going to be entangled anymore. Amen? Come on. Come on. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.